I don't carry a knife anymore after I've seen what it's done to a man. Because this is V'ger, please. A heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And much like to Paul, I'm quick to forget large swaths of Enterprise history as well. Your co-host, Peter. Before we discuss this week's Enterprise episode, I did want to bring up something that occurred since we last spoke. Something that I'm certain you have not seen and probably don't care at all about. Are we going to be talking about this House of the Dragon stuff again? Because I told you I'm no, not going there. <laughs> no. I, as much as I want you to watch the show, I think that, that I, your your feelings on that are clear. I, I want to talk about Star Trek, but it's um, it's the it's the bad kind. Uh, specifically, uh, Picard Season 3 put out a trailer, like a full trailer. I was at uh, the New York Comic Con, I think. And... Discovery season five is being made. It's like in production and they were like photographs and that sort of thing. And I know that Picard is completely off the table for both of us. Um, I did not watch a full episode of season two at all. And, and, and what it ended so poorly, as we have remarked, they, they showed a teaser for season three and overran uh, Strange New Worlds over the ending of Picard on purpose so that people would not unsub Paramount Plus immediately. <laughs> so, like, the, the disaster that that show already was 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 pretty clear. Um, but Discovery Season... The fact that they are making a Discovery Season 5 was mystifies me completely. So that, the, who is who's that show for? Who's Where is fucking watching it? coming from on this? Because, yeah, like, as I understand it, Paramount has cut off Secret Hideout from additional funding. That things have been performing so badly in terms of metrics and marketing uh, and, and toys and all that other stuff that the only reason that Bad Robot still has the IP is because of these legacy sweetheart contracts that Les Moonviz left behind for um, Kurtzman and company. Uh, and if Paramount had a magic wand, that they would just bop them out of the seat. So there was uh, a round of third party investor uh, fundraising. <clears throat> and I think Kurtzman, that hack fraud, has tricked uh, Gene Ronberry's son into putting the family money in. So oh, I, Jesus. I, I think that's what's happening there. Uh, you are right. I have not watched anything in terms of dis- I'm, and again, I'm flabbergasted that discovery is getting another season. And I hope if they're green lighting that trash, that strange new worlds will get another season. Cause I did actually enjoy that. Um, I didn't even know that lower decks was running season three. So I kind of stumbled on that and I'm looking forward to catching up on those. I've been putting my time lately into dipping back into Westworld season four, which has been, Interesting, but that's its own conversation. But Picard, lots of mixed feelings there. Uh, And I've seen some comments from our own trauma support group, which is the only opinions I really care about on the Internet in terms of Star Trek. Co-signed. Yes, correct. And one of them is that this looks like exactly the kind of sloppy fan fiction that I was expecting to see out of season one. Uh, And that's an interesting statement. Because if it was what we were getting out of season one, 
I'd almost respect it and say, well, you know what? It's cheap. You're going after the low hanging fruit, but you're kind of giving the fans what they want. And certainly in hindsight, I could say something like that. That's just pure fan jerk service. off fan service. Yeah. Would certainly be head and shoulders better than uh, the genre abortion that we ended up getting in the actual Picard season one, let alone whatever the fuck happened in season two. You know, I, I saw Moriarty. They got him out. I saw lore and lore through middle school and high school was always like my favorite character. Maybe I was, that was my edgy teen stuff or whatever. Right. Of course. Right. So part of me is like, Oh shit. But man, I just, I can't forgive. I can't forget. Uh, it's too late. And now, however bad this would have looked as sloppy cash grab fan service, had that actually been the season one play, this being the well they finally circle around to in season three after having two wildly different seasons out of desperation of the fact that no one enjoyed them, right? Like that you've, you've, you've got to deliver something that someone's going to want to fucking watch. And what they made was such a disaster that they have finally, as you said, moved in the direction that I think fans probably wanted to be, to be honest, they just want to see their, their favorite old characters go out there for one last adventure, right? Like that was, the whole appeal of the idea of doing a Picard show was to be fair. When we initially started getting hyped about Picard, right? We both mm-hmm. admitted that we know this isn't going to be Star Trek next generation season eight. This is going to be a show about Picard struggling with whatever in, in whatever state the Starfleet's in and his own personal, whatever we were okay with telling a Star Trek story about Picard that did not involve the bridge crew. Uh, Little did we know it was going to be mishandled to the degree it was. But yeah, I think had they come out and said from the beginning, we're getting the band back together one more time. You and I would have ho-hummed a little bit, but we certainly would have watched it. Maybe we would have liked it. But at this point, I'm there's too much other good stuff out there. Uh, I'm not a punk bitch that's going to come crawling back on my belly because I'm desperate. I fully believe, and this is what you and I both said before, Some leave perfection alone. You don't have to go back to the well. There's so many remakes happening anymore, and and it just boggles my fucking mind. It's like, we don't need this shit, and it's easy cash, and that's why this stuff is happening. But, like, you're not getting my money. You're not getting my eyeballs, and I don't really care what you do over there. I I got season one through seven and next gen. That's good. It's gold. It stays in my brain, and fuck this new stuff. The part of the Picard trailer that was the most eye rolling, though, was they are so out of genuine ideas and skill in their writing room. What they produced for the trailer seems like actual Star Trek fan film material. If you watch some of the high, like the overproduced Star Trek fan movies that are out there and there's quite a few Mm -hmm. they appear quite frankly to be of higher quality in terms of their writing and construction let's call it integrity okay because i will say that the fan films out there that you know slash fiction whatever that's one thing but to actually say hey i'm gonna get a couple other guys together we're gonna wear our uniforms we're gonna get someone to film this thing with an iphone we're gonna make sets 
whatever, there is going to be a level of integrity and care and respect to the property. And I don't think you're going to get that here. If there's one thing that I would say the Picard experience has shown me, it's that uh, Patrick Stewart resents what the character was, uh, what the fans wanted. And I think that anything that's going to happen here, while it might seem fan servicey, I think it's going to be jam packed with so much bullshit personal agenda. I can't wait to see the goofy real world politics. They try to attack with this thing and yeah. the virtue signaling that's going to go on. So I'm sure there's a lot of you guys out there listening who are going to get into it. And as always, despite whatever bad attitude I have on it, that's not going to change what actually happens. You know, we don't, Joe and I don't have a say in what actually is going to get greenlit. This stuff's going <laughs> to happen whether we like it or not. And for those of you who watch, I sincerely hope that it's going to be something that you enjoy and that it's going to be time well spent and that you are going to come out of this stuff with uh, a good feeling and, and get what you want. But that's just Peter, though. I, I hope you suffer. <laughs> I hope only bad things happen as a consequence of you watching it. And uh, when those bad things happen, know that you personally deserve it. Speaking of bad things we personally deserve to have happened to us, what did we watch this week, Peter? We got into season two, episode seven, cheekily called the seventh. Joe, uh, I have a proposition for you. We should stop reviewing Enterprise and do anything else. No, no. But okay. this one wasn't wasn't as bad, I will say. But like after the the deflating experience of the last few weeks, it, right? You know, it's and just not enough to pull it out of the gutter. Because we had a night in sick bay, which was the fucking worst. Yeah, all time bad. Dead stop before it, which was a nice kind of setup to to give me hope. Marauders. Which was pretty shitty, I thought. Yeah. Um, and I had fun reviewing Marauders. Or no, de- uh, Night and S- did did I have fun talking about Night and Sick Bay? You did not. I w- I just want to clarify for the record: if you're asking me, did you did, that you Peter enjoy uh, reviewing Night and Sick Bay? The answer to that is an emphatic no. Well, here's the thing: I had to watch this. You had to watch it, and I need someone to rant to. Right, and ranting oh, feels good. Uh, of course. It, is it good to listen to when we get too negative? Uh, the show stops being fun. And that was a problem we ran into with Picard was we got too mean spirited. We got too ranty and, you know, some people we do have. We do have a lot of fans of when we get real nasty. We do. But, you know, I don't think anybody's coming here. I hope no. I feel bad if people are coming here just to get bummed out listening to you and I rant about shit. So my proposition to you is on some of these duds. I think we need to throttle a little bit. Remember that the reason we're here is to have fun and not necessarily just only be shitty, nitpicky and, and condemn things like seventh is a a turd episode too, but uh, I'm personally going to try and make the commitment to the, the listeners to keep it fun and not just repeating the same list of sins over and over again, like fucking Marauder, which to be fair, I'm still, uh, I, I I'm onto this Archer only helps against victims wills. It's very American. It's gonna You're going to get your fucking American. liberty if you want it or not. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the seventh I we watched we watched this what Thursday because we thought we were going to record on Friday. You couldn't do Friday or like, hey, 
Let's do Sunday. It's now Sunday night. I, for the life of me, could not remember what fucking episode we watched. That's how forgettable this goddamn thing was. I had to actually look at the episode list and be like, oh, seventh. All right, let me get my notes out on this. <laughs> oh, I remember that from two days ago. <laughs> this is uh, first aired November 6th, 2002, written by Rick Berman and Brand Braga, directed by David Livingston. This is the core group here, right? Let's let's pause on that again, because we've mentioned it several times, but they've written the vast majority of all of the episodes of the show, like period, end of sentence. They have been the writing duo on most of the content that we have watched. I would say what seems like 90% plus. I, I don't like, is there any way to put it other than these are two men who have lost their touch? They, they have lost the plot. They do not understand how to write episodes of Star Trek anymore that are engaging and coherent and have stakes that you care about. I think that's fair. And it's funny looking back at season one, which was not a great season. I don't love Enterprise because of season one, but I came out of season one being like, you know, there, there's, right. yeah. there's some potential here and they're telling a story and there's some goofy turns they're making but like it seems like in season two these guys are just checked out they don't give a fuck whatever pressure or scrutiny that they were under for season one they do not feel applies to season two and i I get vibes off these episodes that's kind of like it's the last week of high school and I'm just going to it's phoning it in. I think that's a fair way to it feels to me like there's a lot of phoning it in in these scripts. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that it's understandable to a degree that perhaps it's gotten this way for them. We've mentioned briefly before, like they've been at this for going on 15 years, basically, since since they really got into doing TNG. Right. They've been at the at the front of, of things for 10. And. There's a point where you just get complacent, you get tired, you don't care anymore. You you don't have the the energy to 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 put in like anyone's gone through that burnout for your job and particularly like a creative one. I mean, shows that go on and on and on forever typically do have a lot of like turgid crappy episodes and quality starts to go down because your creatives are just burnt the fuck out. And these are big seasons. Yeah. You know, yeah, these aren't the 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 eight season uh, bangers that that we deal with now with TV. They're still pushing 20, almost 30 episodes. That's yeah. a lot. There's going to be filler in there. And and speaking of old Voyager names, someone else brought out this fucking for all mankind keeps coming up. Yeah, uh, I, not that. But there was another one that was mentioned, which was Michael Piller something he had put out about the same time that enterprise came out and, and someone was kind of comparing and contrasting what was happening in enterprise to what that guy had going on. I don't know, man, you know, Trek hemorrhaged a lot of talent specifically Ronald Moore. So I think there's maybe just the culture got poisoned and yeah, like Brian, Brian does strike me as someone who maybe just needed a break, you know, like, he had been producing and writing and working on Star Trek since 1990. It's 11 years later. He's worn out, but a plenty of time away from that particular sort of world, 
You know, he goes and does a whole bunch of other shows. He does like 24 and he does flash forward, which was a deeply underrated network television show that he was the creator of that I really enjoyed. Um, he, you know, he produced like cosmos and all of that. And for him to like come around to doing Orville and in producing good stuff, I buy it. He just needed to, he needed a break. He needed a break from doing Star Trek style shows. He still had the energy in him, but at sure. this point he's just, he's just worn out. And this is what this feels like. This feels like an episode that was like a third of it had an idea and they just phoned in the rest of it. Just phoned it in. So speaking of phones, old to yeah. gets a little phone call. She gets a, a jingle. She goes up to her computer console and, I like these computers. I like the little tabs. The UI is terrible, but I think the color palette they work off really feels like a super precursor to L cars. Do you get that at all? Yeah, they they struck the balance of making it appear like a precursor technology, which is hard to do. And then it hard fails when she goes down to the keyboard to start typing. And this is a keyboard with like 12 fucking keys on it. And I'm like, (laughs) everything, all the other technology in enterprise seems close enough that you could be like, yeah, I see this is grounded in realism until they show this keyboard, which there's no way you're typing a fucking email to your grandma on this thing. Right. So silly looking, but uh, the phone call is what I thought might've been her grandma. Nope. It's a Vulcan security administrator with some pressing news. Yes. So they found a man that they call Minos. And he's close. And that's the end of the teaser. And when we are done with our ballad and we cut back to the episode to Paul goes to Archer's quarters where he's enjoying some toast and coffee sitting in there. What I am calling his what the fuck chair. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's hey, worth watching just to look at this chair and say, where the fuck did they get this thing? This chair had to be custom built. It's like a. It's like a chair in an old like elementary school desk had uh, an ugly leather baby. It, it you look at it and you, it's a failure in each. It's not comfortable. <laughs> it's not aesthetically pleasing. Why is this here? Why is this the choice? This- I'm going to assume that the reason that chair is so big is not only is it like a chair and kind of a dining room table, but it's also actually the toilet. So it's like a three in one. That would actually, I think, make it permissible. I was like, actually, I also poop here. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. You're just gonna have to. You're just gonna have to endure this. Like that you're scene on Friday, in. and she makes fucking ice cube come in and and, and stand there while he's uh, dropping the kids off at the pool. So take whatever progress we've made in the. Uh, Archer and Paul have mutual. Tr- I'm sorry. This is hot on the heels by the no, because we had semi hot, semi on hot on the semi hot on the heels of I want to fuck you too, but we can't. Right. Right. Um, which you don't have to go back much further than uh, to find, hey, I'm thrown in hard with you guys. I'm telling Vulcan High Command to fuck off. And, you know, I'm team human now. Like we've yeah. done some real mi- minus. I want to fuck you, too. Uh, in Night in Sickbay, there's been some very solid team building, uh, trust building, go to uh, what the hell was the the Russian? No, the, the Vulcan ambassador that space gangsters were trying to kill. 
Oh, so I'm sorry. What was the name of them? Was it Secret Mission or something? I can't remember the name of that episode. Whatever. It was, yeah. hey, uh, Vulcan hero lady said she needs me to trust her and I need you to trust me. Okay, I trust you, right? Fallen and hero. Even, fallen hero. Fallen hero. And even Russian, or even a Vulcan, sorry, I got Russian on the brain. Even the Vulcan hero lady is like, I can sense great trust between you guys. Cool. We're there. We're, we're building the, the Kirk Spock thing, right? Mm-hmm. We get into this. Uh, Captain, you're going to be getting orders from um, Admiral Forrest. He's not in his alien blackface anymore. He's happy with you because you cut the tree up the right way with the chainsaw. Yeah, uh, good job, by the way. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be getting orders. We got to go do some stuff. She does nothing to extend the hand of trust to him and like kind of fill him in a little bit. Uh, and he hot on the heels of uh, Captain Manchild goes right back into that fucking petulant mode of being a bitch. It's a little less, I suppose, than it's been in the past where he would just outright pout about it and uh, just not cooperate. Like he cooperates. He's like, okay, I'm going to get a call from my boss. I guess you're not going to tell me anything. Got it. And he gets the call. And it's like, all right, this is what we're doing. And Tapal's apparently going to go on a secret mission. And it's going to be her Travis and some guns and some coats. Good luck. Godspeed. Let me cut. But it's still, yeah, he still has twinges of Captain Manchild where he's, he's not accepting once again, the, the idea that he's not fully informed with any kind of grace. I think I might've put my finger on what the real problem of this episode is, because this is basically going to turn into a PTSD episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think about two thirds of the way through, but yes, I, I I think if we were to somehow save this in plot doctorate, uh, she needs to have the trauma surface immediately. And as soon as getting off the phone with uh, the security administrator, I think she should have collapsed or gotten a bloody nose or something as whatever this mental deprogramming that she went through mm-hmm. breaks and and she gets like a tick or something. And there needs to be like some real surface level. I'm not all right going on here. And I think that would, uh, for me at least have bridged why she's acting distrusting of Archer. Uh, you'd have to doctor the entire thing because Archer's going to be an even bigger bitch later on. But I I think if the dam had broken visibly on her, it would have made this all a lot more interesting and a little bit more plausible given the character growth that she's been seeing. What this episode needed was a dramatic change in the focus of who the second character is. And it should never have been Archer and it should have just been Trip. Like Trip has been occasionally used as the emotional backstop for T'Pol's, you know, exploration of how she feels about things, right? Like, when they were doing the the comet episode in season one, when they met the other Vulcans, like he is the guy who is the most reliable emotional support person she has when she's got like a challenging issue in front of her. When she needs to <clears throat> address dirty parts of her own, yeah. When you want to, and I'm not saying yeah. dirty like. Uh, the fucking decontamination t- chamber, but dirty like the the Vulcan unclean. 
yeah, the emotional rage, side. Yeah, and a rage, uh, envy, you know, like unwanted emotions. And if she got this call and she's like, okay, I got to go do this. And I need someone who's going to be able to help me get through all of the feelings I have about this. I need to bring Trip with me because Trip Trip will actually enable me, right? Like that's that's what I need. I need an enabler. Trip would have been a good choice, and I don't think Archer is a bad choice because when she says, "I," you know, ultimately she'll bring Archer and says, "I need someone I can trust." Trust, right? And that and that's there too. And also, you know, you there might be some concussions and some wounds, and I know you're big on this, so this is going to be a a win win for both of us. Archer gets the call from Admiral Forrest. He has a quick staff meeting up in the situation room. Um, says, you know, we're going to be going here. We're going to be doing this thing. He's kind of shitty about it. A uh, little bit of throwing to Paul under the bus. <clears throat> you know, we don't have any information to go off of. And, uh, you know, again, the, the petulance is there. Yet again, not realizing, hey, Here's a great chance for us to play ball and repair some of the damage that we've called with we've caused with Vulcan High Command, whatever. Uh, yeah, she goes, okay, I need a pilot. We're going to take Uncle Muscles over there. Mayweather. Take your shirt off. Take your Ooh. shirt off, Travis. Flex Five. for me. Season two has been very kind to Mayweather. He did not have any stupid dialogue in this. We've seen that not only does he look great with his shirt off, but he can fucking take a fool down. That dude knows how to tackle. He does. A guy, he played I guess some that, space football. A guy that built definitely has, mm-hmm. has skills when it comes to pain train came for Senator Kelly. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, speaking of right. Like when we finally do get to see the guest special guest star this week, I was delighted to see that it was our friends, Senator Kelly, uh, yes. Bruce, uh, God actor's name bruce davidson yes and mm-hmm. we remember him from remember which was a voyager episode where uh he actually basically was senator kelly <laughs> except like in the past of a nazi world mm-hmm. uh so, of going after uh mutants he was going after space gypsies i believe yes it was it was space gypsies and he is so much better an actor in contrast as to the regulars that we tend have to contend with on enterprise that it was a it was a bit striking you know like comes into this role as a guest star and you know he's not exactly putting in max effort it's not like uh the resistance episode from voyager when they got that guy who won the oscar for uh cat being the the narrator from cabaret or whatever and and he just he's not he just uh, crushed what's his face from uh year of fire or year of hell Clarence Boddicker, Space Boddicker. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a cut above what, what we're dealing with here. Um, so that's who her quarry is going to be. Yeah. Uh, there's still light on the details, but before the mission launches, DePaul's going to show up at Archer's, I don't know, quarters or, or ready room. I, I think it's his, his quarters. quarters. It was his quarters. He's throwing his fucking volleyball at the door or the wall. I, I don't know who shares the next room over but i feel bad for him this dude's always just fucking hammering the wall with this ball she comes in his space toilet has been folded back into the wall or wherever it normally goes i was looking specifically for it 
but she wants to talk. And instead of having uh, a receptive good friend, she's got Captain Bitchass, who wants to play some more petty games uh, before she finally says, listen, you know, knock it off. I want to tell you what's going on. Basically nags her until she does it. And yeah, goes, okay, fine, I'm in. You know, like, sure, now that I've gotten you to cough up the details, I will acquiesce to being part of your secret mission, I suppose. So the details are before whatever her involvement on the Vulcan Enclave back on Earth was, she was a security agent. She was dispatched on a mission to go hunt down rogue Vulcan infiltrators. So there was like, and again, this is more shady Vulcan shit, which I kind of dig, right? There's a, uh, uh, there's a, an alien race that wants to get friendly with the Vulcans. The Vulcans heavily infiltrate their society to locate criminal elements to eliminate. And I can't wait to hear how, how they're going to be doing that to earth. Eventually curious that Archer doesn't make that connection at all. Cause I'd be like, what, what do you mean they they send in surgically altered spies to infiltrate these rings and basically do assassination missions? Uh, but once the government joined on with Vulcan, Vulcan High Command called all these security agents back, and there was a handful that said, no, we don't want to go back. Uh, they effectively went rogue. And instead of sending out, like, seasoned <laughs> bounty hunters... They get a bunch of wet behind the pointy ears rookies and they go, all right, go, go track down these badasses we got out in the field. We had to get like seven of them a piece too. Like it wasn't just a one for one. It was here, bag a whole lot of them and uh, good luck. Yeah, these are, these are agents that are so deep cover. They've spent years learning the craft that they had to emulate in order to take down this cartel. Here is a gun. Go get them. Yeah. What we've got here is a plot of like taking um, Bobcat Gothwit from a police academy and telling him he has to go hunt down some Metal Gear Solid villains. (laughs) Quick, Revolver Ocelot, get him. You're going to be going after uh, Vulcan Raven and... um, Oh, I guess you can have Psycho Mantis and, you know, here we'll throw Sniper Wolf in there for some boobies for you. Uh, She was able to collect most of them, but there was the sixth one who got away. (coughs) We start getting some flashbacks to her in the jungles of Ryza chasing this guy down. But uh, the worst kind of flashbacks, which are yellow tinted flashbacks, Game Boy flashbacks. Yes. And. So, you know, something's not quite right. You're getting these weird flashbacks. So, you know, it's the big clue that there's going to be a twist somewhere in the the third act here. Archer starts pushing back. Well, oh, she goes, I I would like you to come with me. Well, why me? Why you? Why, why, Why are you being tasked? You're not in the security forces anymore. Oh, well, you know, this is them giving me a chance to what? Make up for my. Yeah, it's a matter of honor. Vulcan honor, yeah, which is the first time I've ever heard of this concept. Yes, it was. And Archer treated it like it was like some common ass thing. Like, oh, of course. Yes. Vulcan honor. I've certainly heard of that before. Archer not immediately saying yes really bothered me. And let's jump back to Marauders. That whole fucking rant I had where 
Archer only helps people that don't want the help. Yet another entry right in that book. She comes, her his friend, right? His friend he desperately, he desperately wants to bang again. A great point there too. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, <laughs> uh, but take all the times that she's saved the fucking day for him. Mm-hmm. And here she is point blank saying, this guy's dangerous. I need help out in the field. I need someone I can trust. And he's, dude, if you ever have a friend that fucking jerks you around like that, where like it's basically a life and death situation, like fuck Archer, man. I'm I'm trying to cut yeah. this dude breaks, but I see what you mean. He's just fucking awful. He is. He, it, I guess like the simplest change this episode needed was just Archer to be like to go to to Paul as soon as this all gets laid out and be like, listen. I don't know what's going on. I don't need to know, I suppose, because you've got this if you've got this. But I'm here for you. If you want some fucking help with this and you don't want anyone to know, you know I got you. Because you've been there for me. Like you said, you've saved the day multiple times. You have spoken up in front of your bosses about how we should be allowed to be out here doing this stuff. We owe you a million times and we're close. We're, you know, Put the sex stuff aside from from a night in sick bay. Like we're just we're boys. I got you. So you tell me what you need, and you're gonna get exactly that. And then eventually she comes to him, be like, "Okay, listen, I, this is what's up, and I need someone I can trust." And he's like, "Yeah, absolutely. That's what this needed. It needed that camaraderie. And instead, it's Archer being a, a man child, like like you mentioned." just kind of being shitty for the sake of just being shitty because he thinks it's charming lording it over her yeah or give me the archer that i've been uh set up to believe exists which is archer sees that she's fucked in the head something is wrong it doesn't feel good to him he can tell there's a problem um i'm going on this mission with you no it's just me and mayweather i'm your captain i'm telling you what's happening um as i've been trained as a viewer to believe that when people don't want help, Archer is there to insert himself. And this time it would make perfect sense. Again, you, you're not playing with a full deck of cards right now. I'm going on this thing. She could have even called. Uh, I don't know if you want to have trip and Archer in at the same time on this. I mean, Mayweather yeah. could have easily been swapped out for one of these other guys. Yeah. Like Archer could be like, I'm the pilot. You wanted a pilot. I'm the pilot. Yeah. Trips coming too because we ain't letting you do this by yourself. You asked for trips help. If you're bringing trips, something's wrong. I'm going with you too. A- any other way they would have done it would have been better than her going to him, him initially saying no, and then finally acquiescing at the end. Like just again, terrible disservice to the character. Again, we're getting more needless secrets out of the Vulcans on this too. The the classified nature of this mission seemingly jumping back to fallen hero. There was no fucking point to hide from the Enterprise crew like this lady's deep cover and uh, is going at it with crime lords. Like if it's important enough that you're pulling somebody off of an Earth vessel to go hunt down Minos, like great. If you've got the resources of a whole ship and this guy really is as dangerous as we're led to believe in this, where he's uh, black arms dealing trans transgenic weapons, right? Yeah. Kevin, he's basically dealing in weapons of mass destruction and chemical this dude's, weapons. Yeah, it's selling, he's selling space. He's selling space anthrax. You know. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, we've got this former security agent that we've got like a boon over. We can pull her strings, and she can drag the fucking humans in on it. Great. Instead, it's just more stupid, needless secrets. I don't buy it. Whatever. Finally, they get in the shuttle pod. They're going to leave. 
Trip who's been left behind is like, Captain, what's going on? And for whatever fucking reason, Archer just leaves him in the dark. Doesn't make any sense that he doesn't tell him what's going on. I guess it's supposed to set up the quote B plot end quote, which in following uh, your example from last week, Peter, what I would like to offer as a motion on the floor is that we speak no further of the B plot, except to say it's like a couple comedy beats about trip, not understanding that being in charge means making decisions and then impersonating the captain. So he can get a score of a water polo game. I liked the B plot in this. What? I thought for sure this is like this is got waste of time energy all over it. The whole episode's a waste of time. So him playing around in this, I thought was good. I liked him, you know, basically flexing his nuts, sitting at the the dinner table, ordering ordering all the expensive things off the menu, inviting his little buddies over to like you know basically smoke cigarettes while his parents were on vacation, uh, and then being hit with fucking uh, like flocks is like. I need to put an inoculation out there, but it's going to give everybody the shits. And uh, <laughs> what he should have said, because Reed's like, yeah, also, I need to recalibrate the torpedo launchers, which means I need you to make it so we don't have warp drive. He should have been like, well, A, stuff's probably going to go sideways while the captain's down on the surface. And we're going to have to, like, fly the fuck up out of here like we did. Again, lots of similarities to fallen hero right like we we might have to jet out of here quick i'm not taking the warp engines off on that also our torpedoes fucking suck yeah what, about, who cares who cares if we can shoot them or not they don't do anything unless right, you're bounce off the enemy hauling back and us focus on the phasers bro and then i yeah yeah the the what we think is going to be a high tension white knuckle moment where it does the vulcan captain realize that he's not talking to archer and instead it's like this goofy message about sports scores it it wasn't great but it was better than a lot of the other things going on in this episode so they get in the shuttle pod they fly down we go back to another but fuck nowhere space outpost up in the himalayas or whatever surprise surprise they're not in sunny southern california for once they land and they walk, they being Mayweather to Paul and Archer, they walk into Space Tavern, which is full of so many different special effects makeup jobs. Like I couldn't imagine what the budget was for this thing. We haven't seen this many different faces in a while. And all three of the Enterprise crew members have murder written right on their face. They 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 happen into what I like to call a Skyrim in, you know, like you expect to hear like a little bit of like loot playing in the background, maybe a little like background mm-hmm. music. And there's like just a bunch of scruffy looking dudes and furs hanging out around fire and then going through the motions of doing something that looks like gambling, even though no one seems to know <laughs> what they're doing. It's like a bunch of NPCs going through their like animations and they're like their presets of when they are. These in a look place. like rough characters. This is a yeah. space truck stop for sure. Yeah. You've played in games where you have to go in and black bag someone or kill someone. You're there on business to do some dirty, right? Mm-hmm. There's the right way to walk into uh, the game and there's the wrong way. Because if you go in there basically cracking your knuckles, you know, chewing on a toothpick, giving everybody the stank eye looking for the dude you want to jump. 
it's not going to work. That guy's already ran out the back door. The guy's like, hey, did you see that guy over there? <laughs> you gotta go into these you, things. you gotta go into these things like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm so tired. You know, you got a story you got to sell. You're you're not there for a dude. You're just there to kick your feet up, oh. and then you look around. Oh, hauling all this dilithium across the sector. Let me tell you, I got a terrible back. Anyone anyone got a got some ibuprofen? No, you know they roll in there like goons. They are not there for business. They are not there to buy a beer or get some space steak. They got their tricorders out. They might as well just have like come in with like their flashlights out and their <laughs> guns are just pointing it at people. They're not talking to the president of the planet. There's <laughs> protocols to be followed here. Guns are holstered. But yeah, they come in looking like the two hot rolling crew. And everyone like does the like looks up at them. And it's like, oh, yeah, you guys are not finding this dude. Mm-hmm. So they start looking. And finally, to Paul, oh, to Paul's like, I can sense him on my tricorder. He's here for sure. Finally, there she is. She goes, oh, my God, you're Senator Kennedy and X-Men. Can I get your autograph? But before she has a chance to get her pen out, some other alien like bumps into her from behind. And then whoosh, uh, Senator Kelly has flown the coop. He has seemingly obfuscated and is nowhere to be found. And then for some reason, he takes the worst bait I've ever seen, which is Archer jumping on a table and whistling so that he can draw attention to himself. I guess with the thought of if Senator Kelly is in here, he's clearly going to want to shoot us. Don't understand why Senator Kelly would shoot. Like Senator Kelly should not have shot. He should have been like, Oh, that's where you are. I'm going to stay away from there. I'm going to wait until you fucking leave. Here's what I'd like to happen. Uh, Archer jump on the table, start whistling. The bartender look up and say, get off my fucking table, buy something or get out of here. Yeah, like some four-armed, scruffy, like, <laughs> you know, guy. It's like he's got, like, two frying pans of, yeah. of space bacon going, and, you know, and one on, on two of his arms and his other two arms he's mixing a drink. Like, get the, get the hell off of the table. What are you? Literally, what are you? Yeah. I'm not, just get out. Get out. Were you born in a space barn? Fuck you. Uh, but unfortunately, Senator Kelly does take the bait and tries to shoot Archer and sadly misses and then tries to dart out. Too bad his ass got sacked. <laughs> so starting for the uh, San Francisco 49ers, it's Travis Mayweather coming across hot across the, the line of scrimmage and laying this dude completely the fuck out. Senator Kelly has been has been sacked uh, and. uh they've lost 10 yards on the play. Uh, this is this, this is the moment he's been waiting for, right? Like I'm the most in shape man on the most in shape show that has ever graced Star Trek's name. It's time for me to let a dude out. Worf, kiss my ass, Worf. I got this. For real. And also Tuvok. Yeah. Yeah. The most effective security move I think I've ever seen Coming in from the Trek. of uh, yield Star Trek uh, Enterprise. So uh, super space con man, Senator Kelly, a uh, badass Vulcan deep sleep agent, whatever, does not have any goons for whatever his crimes are supposed to be an intergalactic drug dealer, whatever. No goons, no backup. Uh, everybody in the bar is cool with these guys shooting at each other and people getting abducted. They drag him off. He goes, uh, you got no jurisdiction. And instantly Senator Kelly goes with, uh, I'm an innocent man. Uh, 
please, I got a family, this and that. You got no jurisdiction there. They haul him off to, <clears throat> I don't know, some sort of space principal's office. Yeah, like the boss of this, the manager of this space truck stop, who's like, well, your paperwork's in order, but like, there's like acid outside because this is like a real nasty truck stop. <laughs> yeah. You're you can't go out here for the snowstorm. There's acid out on the deck. How bad is the acid? You might be wondering. Well, not bad enough to keep you from just running out to your spaceship anyways, as we will find out in about five minutes. This is where you start to have a number of decisions made by the episode that I can only describe as just fucking lazy. They set up this idea of you're stuck. They, they want to do the you it's, it's the fucking uh, hateful eight story. You're at the like the way station, but you're snowed in and you're stuck there with all of these dudes just trying to like manage the situation until it's over. So they set that stakes up and then probably pretty much immediately in the next scene at the end of the next scene, it gets broken by T'Pol defeating the acid by a few strips of cloth tied to her feet. So they just blow that up. And then later on, they have this whole standoff situation at the end that's also just like, what are you doing? You're trying to force this very narrow uh, plot line and this very specific way you want it to resolve, even though all of your pieces aren't fitting together that way. Let me fix what you're saying, Joe, because you're looking for a word and it's been a while since we've really had to say it since almost Voyager and it's called ramrodding. Ram. Our old friends, the ramrod. Yes, it is a very ramrodded episode. And then it's, but it's incompetently ramrodded because they set this thing up with the, with the snowstorm and then just break it for no consequences. They're not even breaking it. They might as well just have forgotten about it. So that you're, yeah. you're stuck here with this wanted fugitive. Uh, and the goal here is going to be to give Senator Kelly an opportunity to talk to um to paul and and stir the pot right so they handcuff him to the leg of a table and uh say all right sit down shut up also very uncharacteristic of archer who normally is the first person to go well something about this doesn't feel right well maybe i gotta have a bleeding heart uh, maybe the establishment is lying and this is an oppressed person or whatever. Um, nope. In this case, he's had a change of heart and he is now a company man and Vulcans <laughs> want this guy brought back to stand trial. And by golly, that's what bounty hunter, uh, Jonathan Archer is going to do. So Archer wants nothing to do with this guy's talking about, but he starts getting the rapport going with, uh, to Paul. Hey, I got a family. Please reach into my pocket. There is a little hologram, a little hologram. This thing's like the size of a fucking coffee mug. Imagine walking around with a picture of your family that is the size of a photo album. Ridiculous. And the. The story he gives is that he's hauling spent warp injector casings, which look like they are a bunch of burnt out like uh, light fixtures that you would buy at Pier One. Old mufflers. Yeah, right? like they, <clears throat> they 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 look like just rotted pieces of metal. I don't know. They did not do a very good job of making it look sci-fi. And it's giving him space cancer, by the way. I will so, say that Senator Kelly, what's his name, Dave? What? Uh, Bruce Davidson. 
Bruce Davidson, what you were talking about before, his sob story, he lays on him. A plus. Um, I liked him saying, I, I thought he did a good job genuinely selling the story of here. Here's what was missing. Had he thrown the angle in that, you know, I've embraced my emotions. I do not want to go back to my old life. I'm happy living the way I am. Uh, had I gone back to Vulcan, they would have reforced logic on me and I'm not willing to give up my family, my passion. Like, basically, I want humanity. I don't want to go back to being a robot. He doesn't say anything about that. He just says, I've got a family now. Uh, you know, it's simple work, but it, it, it's killing me. But, you know, it makes a living. I'm not the monster that made me out to be. I think had he laid out the, um, I want my emotions I don't want to go back to being a robot. That would have been an interesting intersection for Archer to really have to evaluate what was being said. But he doesn't. Archer is, again, sticking pretty tight to the, you know, you're a bad guy. We're going to bring you in. Um, at this point, to Paul breaks. She lunges at him with a knife. She cuts some seatbelts, <laughs> costume pieces off of. Senator Kelly, <clears throat> some, some anti-acid uh, seatbelts that he happened to have on him for some reason. She wraps the seatbelts roughly twice around each foot. So at least 40% of her foot is covered with a seatbelt material. And then she runs out onto the flight deck that we have been told is basically lava. Okay, the floor is lava, but she runs through it yep. to what is allegedly his smuggler ship, which speaking of Tuvok, does not have any locked doors. Not a one. Just walks right on. Walks right on uh, and starts opening up Tupperware containers. And we start seeing all these. The spent mufflers. The spent mufflers. And she does a real half-assed job poking around. Doesn't even bother to bust the tricorder out to see if, you know, there's any transgenic weapon, whatever. She was too busy acting, Peter. Acting harried. Also. Uh, let's let's keep the 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 magnifying glass of critical thinking over here. We're being told this guy is like a master spy, badass, you know, arms dealer guy, right? Mm -hmm. No concern for like booby traps, which nope. I would think this dude would have, or like security droids or like fucking goons. No, that she just she runs through the acid field. There's not even like a sizzling effect as she's running over the field either. There's not even like. Tss, tss, tss. It's it's literally the outdoor set they used in the premiere, right? Yeah, yeah. Like when they were when they were at Omega, just goes in there, starts thrashing around, rubs space carcinogens all over her face, and then kind of like collapses down, having her emotional moment. So at this point, I'm wondering, okay, well, she's just established. <coughs> yeah, you can totally go to your ship. There's there's no need for any of this. It goes back in. Uh, confides in Archer. No, there's no weapons. You know, he seems to be telling the truth. So when I, I try to be very generous towards Shelley Blaylock as an actor for the show, because she has been handed such an untenable sequence of, of asks from her, particularly the constant sexual exploitation to the point of almost self parody. So you know, when, when she's out there trying her best, I, I'm, I'm really giving her a lot of benefit of the doubt because, frankly, I feel a little bad for how she was treated. But this is obviously an episode where her character is the focus, where she has to carry the emotional weight of what's going on. 
she's clearly trying, you know, she's, she's trying to show her, her emotional turmoil. And the problem is that she's so uneven in it, you know, like she's trying to show that, you know, she's, she's got questions about this, that she's got emotions, that something is fucking with her. Something's not quite right. You're playing, like you said, you're playing with the cards short and your, your deck, you know, that's the intention, but she always just comes off as just harried and, and just, there's a very specific kind of female exasperation that she tends to always use when in these moments. And it's not quite right. You know, to Paul is a very collected and experienced, you know, spacefaring officer with a lot of different training and talent that even in moments of like emotional distress, it feels like it needs to be more dialed in rather than her just immediately sort of like losing her shit, you know? I don't think her performance here really <clears throat> captured my attention as bad because I was busy swimming and around in all the plot holes. Yeah. I uh, mean, it was the least offensive part of it, but I've noticed it more and more of like, she, no one's giving her a note of like, no, like this isn't quite what we're looking for. You know, like you're, you're being a little I, too I don't obvious. Think they know what they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, maybe this that's it, this yeah. script. And the more I look at what's happening here, I think there could have been a good episode and there could have been some interesting stuff, but the, there's big pieces that are missing. Uh, Senator Kelly goes, you went in there, you looked, you, you're starting to believe me. There's another <coughs> component to this entire debacle. Earlier on, when she was disclosing to uh, Archer what was going on about how good Menos was at hiding, she said, they thought they were invulnerable. And then Archer's like, they? And then she says, he. And I got distracted at first. I'm like, are they taking a jab at pronouns? But I see now it was they because there were originally two people. This is called the seventh episode because she didn't have a list of six people to capture. There were seven. The flashback she's been having was the the other guy who she killed during the apprehension. She had suppressed the memories. She starts talking to cynicality. She's like, you know, tell me about this guy. He's like, why are you asking me these questions? You know what happened? We find out that she's got some sort of memory blocks in place. Yeah, she went through like a secret Vulcan uh, ritual to suppress the memory she had of killing a guy. So apparently one of her fucking Vulcan phase pistol she had uh, did not have a stun setting or wasn't set on it and gunned the guy down when she was pursuing both of them. He collapsed. He's going for his gun. She shoots. But it's, it's real. A cla- it's actually a classic like police shooting moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we <clears throat> see this a lot in this country where there's a lot of dispute sometimes over police actions where does the, is the guy going for a gun or not type of thing? And this is playing into that in a way that I think is interesting, clever, even. Potentially. I've got a way to make things better that does not include it. But so she's all distraught. She's questioning herself. She's questioning the decision to bring this guy back. Uh, he's saying, I don't want to go back. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm guilty of being a space drug dealer. I am guilty of dis- refusing orders. You know, I'm going to be punished my family, whatever. Archer, again, still real hard-nosed about this. Uh, I don't know. They, they. Oh, she goes, let me show you what's what I see, or Archer wants to go see. Really, what Archer wants to do is go get into this fucking space cancer factory, so he's got a reason to drag everybody back through the fucking decontamination bay, which she admits <laughs> as much. 
Oh, we all got to go to decon now. They go back. The inn is mysteriously on fire. Yes. So what has happened apparently is that Senator Kelly has turned over a uh, table and accidentally kicked over the big open fire pit in this what made of wood truck stop? I said that too. I was like, my interpretation was this was like all space metal. So I don't know where ye old fucking <laughs> wooden support just fell from, but it's on fire. Everybody comes pouring out of this thing. Yeah, everyone's just taken these, off. Onto the supposedly acidic flight deck. I don't see anybody no, they got burning their feet off. They got the seatbelts. They're on the seatbelt tech. They just put them on their feet. They're good. Off they all go running. The guy with the four arms is running out with his space bacon, like cursing the name of Senator Kelly. Mm-hmm. And they end up losing Senator Kelly in the confusion. And so they go back to his ship. And as they're exploring the ship, it is, in fact, Mayweather. who's like, hey, Captain, there's some fuckiness. Come check out this fuckiness. <clears throat> and he founds this the circuit that's still powered up. And there's actually more energy going through that circuit than any other part of the ship. And it's very weird. And they pause here for a second. Again, uh, Mayweather is like the high point of this episode. Yeah. For me. Yes, he is. Unironically, just completely it took so much effort to make Mayweather a good character that it sucked all of the good from the rest of the episode to like boost him up. They, he doesn't say a lot. He tackles a dude. He discovers the plot you know, hole and is like, why, why, why don't we just press the button and see what happens? You get some good athletic, like guns akimbo. Yeah. Dodgy stuff. He does. He does like a, a, a roll and then shoots a guy uh, shoots at a guy rather. Yeah. So um, he's like, Hey, listen, there's this switch. And then Archer goes, well, let me just jiggle it around here. And a holographic wall fades. And there's Senator Kelly with his rifle. And he goes, uh, well, you know, I was gonna be patient, wait for you guys to fuck off, but this is how we're going to do this now. So everybody, Put your guns down over there. Uh, I'm going to take old T'Pol here hostage. You guys go in that locker over there, and uh, we're going to figure out what to do here. And then he tells T'Pol, go march your ass over there and put in the the locking code. And by the way, it makes in a specific locking noise, so I know if you're fucking me or not. And suddenly the door swings open, and out comes Archer slamming the door open. Now, they had Archer do it because if Mayweather had done it, it probably would have killed T'Pol. Yeah, like T'Pol would have been bodied into another sector of the galaxy. <laughs> Instead, she is merely laid out on the ground because it's, it's Archer. Been Mayweather slamming that door open. We would have had a repeat of uh, that time that Borg Tuvok slapped. Oh, it so slapped Bolana completely out of the episode. Just, <laughs> just, just one open palm pimp slap. But Bolana Torres so completely out of the app. She's in Seer. You didn't mm-hmm. see her the rest of the fucking show. Slapped 30 minutes out of her mouth. She's gone. But yeah, uh, so Archer comes out. He grabs both guns and then does the akimbo thing to like drive Senator Kelly behind a, a, an explosive barrel and then throws one to, to Mayweather. And they're shooting and he's shooting back. And then eventually she he just gives up. He's like, uh, never mind. I don't want to do guns. And then the most mystifying part oh of the episode god. happens. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so what happens? There's bad. It, we, we've said it many times that Enterprise yeah. is just a series of bad gunfights. Yes. This is 
this is next generation of bad gunfights. This here. is worse than the gunfight on Planet Olive Garden, <laughs> okay? Which takes a lot, but it's worse. Because what happens is Archer's got the gun on Senator Kelly. Senator Kelly, Kelly does dis- not have a gun. Senator Kelly's completely disarmed himself. Mayweather has been asked to go find something to tie Kelly up with, which was the first mistake. Because mm-hmm. she said, like, you should just tackle him. Yeah. And use a big unconscious. to tie him up. Yeah, just like this big coiled steel <laughs> that you have. And, in but my no. mind, I don't know. Yeah, we've seen him completely shirtless. Because in my mind, he might as well just be Jax from Mortal Kombat. And just has, That's like, true. Fucking, like, yeah, metal arms. Just metal yeah. arms. So uh, he tells him instead to go, like, get something less powerful, like a pair of handcuffs. <laughs> and in the meantime, he starts, like, kneeling. And he's like, no, don't do it. Stop. And then, Stop. And then he, op- away from he, that handle. he opens a clear hatch. Again, point blank range. Gun is out. Has stun. As we will see, is unstunned. There's zero, zero 0.0 reasons. Why Jonathan Archer doesn't go <laughs> like no reason to not just stun his ass and lay him out. I hit pause. I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Cause I was writing a note. I'm like, did I miss something important here? I went back. I rewatched again. I'm like, is Archer drunk? Maybe the space acid got to his brain. I don't know. Like, <laughs> What explanation is there for just not shooting him with your magic space laser that renders people unconscious harmlessly? Stops the lock. He slips out. He's running away through the uh, flight deck full of acid to yep. zero consequence. They and all then, get out there. And then T'Pol gets out there and points <laughs> to God like, I can't do it. And are just like, yes, you can, soldier. <laughs> Pull the trigger. You can do it. They're going to bring him to justice. As, as Senator Kelly slowly walks away into the distance. He's not running. He's not making a big deal. He's just like sauntering through the acid, letting his feet burn off. No, I'm sorry. Never mind. He's got the seatbelt tech and he's just walking and like Archer's giving to Paul. He could just shoot him. He could just shoot him anytime. Doesn't just like, I don't know what to do. Please help. And Archer's like, well, I'm not going to help you because you're asking for help. And that's not the way I work. Um, but I am going to be a Vulcan stooge. You were you were sent on this mission to bring this guy back, and exactly what you said, you know, be a good soldier. I've I I've never seen him so blindly follow orders before in my I don't know who this guy is. This is an alien imposter. He's so pro Vulcan, pro violence, pro blind goonery. I hate this character so fucking much i hate him dude i hate jonathan archer he is the worst finally to paul zaps him in the back he falls face first into the supposed space asset does not look like two-face unfortunately because it's no no doesn't even look like senator kelly after he got hit by the mutant go juice and god what if he would have zapped him and like Falling in the acid would have actually killed them and should have been like, oh my god, there was acid out here after all. And, and I've murdered two people now. Ah! So then the uh, episode cuts its balls off, any balls it may have had. They go back in there and Mayweather's like, Captain, you better look at this. This dude had a secret cooler full of Mountain Dew two liters under a black light. That's oh, clearly god. a biological weapon. Jesus. Yeah. He's got the Baja Blast in here and original. 
And then uh, they go, well, if he's schlepping around Mountain Dew, I guess he is a bad guy after all. And we can rest assured that, you know, you did the right thing. And then we get back up to the ship and to Paul discloses like, yeah. So what happened was I went on this mission. Uh, There were originally seven. I killed one of the guys and I was not able to really process it properly. So I went to Pajem, which you might remember as the space crater that the Endorians have left behind. Uh, once we spit in the Vulcan's face, you know, the Vulcans you hate and and despise their shitty militant ways that you just enforce when I gun this guy down. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guy. went to Pajem yeah. and they did forgetful mind on me and they prayed the the evil away or whatever the fuck happened. And now that has cracked and I'm having a hard time dealing with these emotions. And he's like, Oh, well, well, I'm here for you. Yeah. And then she's like, well, you know what? If you ever need someone you can trust, uh, I will come to your side. If you ever need me to do dirty and help you go roll a fool. Uh, And I probably won't act like a fucking petulant bitch before that. Had they in this episode, here's, here's what I need for this to work. make her the fact she was given seven targets, right? And she's like a fucking rookie recruit. And also we can tie back to Marauders, like her doing her like uh, her college course on rolling, dodging with Professor Catsuit, right? Yeah. Hey, I wasn't just in security forces. I was actually a trained assassin. Uh, uh, that's why I never get my ass beat as I am a high level operator. I was supposed to go into this black ops program. Um, this is why I don't like the Vulcan government. This is why I have this rebellious streak is that I have murdered on Vulcan's behalf. It has fucked me up. And I, there, there was nothing morally ambiguous about what I did. That guy was running. I shot him in the back. And that has fucked me up. I should have shot this guy in the back, too. That's why I was contacted. I was supposed to go there and kill this guy. And that is that is why I'm now anti-Vulcan. This is why this has affected me so badly. The uh, the forgetful mind that was done to me, maybe that was like done against her will. The government tried to erase my my memory of this because I left the program, because I failed, whatever. There's more reasons to hate certain elements of Vulcan government uh, and more reasons why uh, I am so attracted to the humanity paladin complex you space Americans seem to have. I know that I think we've come up with like six different versions of this episode that are all better. And I feel like that's going to be a pretty consistent uh, circumstance for us as we continue to watch season two. Speaking of that, so I just just real quick in, in, in closing, I feel like had this script just been not an actual produced episode, but like a rough draft of like, here's something we could probably do some cool stuff with. I think if someone had spent a day or two just editing it and like trimming it down, maybe that's what the teleplay guy is supposed to be. And there was no teleplay on this. Yeah. The, the overall concept of some kind of dirty Vulcan special ops program or like suppressing to Paul's memories of having done dirt on their behalf all does bleed into this overall story that has been told about the Vulcans having a dark side that they are not comfortable talking about or really even being honest exists. 
and that so much of humanity's role in their emerging interest in space travel is providing a ballast and reflection point for Vulcans to realize they may have lost the plot. Which ties into Shadows of Pajem Part 2 when T'Pol tells them off. And it, again, with the invocation of a Pajem ritual, allows you to like, okay, so this is the next step on the Vulcans have some lessons to learn about having allowed their morality. They dropped a couple humanity points here and it's, it's time to buy them back. It even ties in back. It could have tied in back to um, what's the boobs in my face episode. I, I know what, when you're talking about, but I also, Where again, you know, the, the, the Vulcans the have uh, relations so with other planets. They, su- and their they support government. a corrupt government because it suits them, you know? Sure. But But you didn't get that. You just got what felt like a rough draft of a script that they said, this is good enough. Produce it. It's full of plot holes, big plot holes. Um, And it's kind of a shame that Senator Kelly got wasted on this. Even if the end again, had they not disclosed that he actually was hauling around Mountain Dew, uh, had they left it ambiguous if this guy was like really bad or not. And like they mail him off and and who knows what will happen. I could have respected that, but it, they, they close it out with a, no, we were right. And everything's justified, blah, blah, blah. So fucking boring. So stupid. Uh, going in next season two, episode eight, the communicator during an investigation of a pre-warp alien plant. Reed accidentally leaves his communicator behind when he returns with Archer to get the piece of technology. They are captured by soldiers who accuse them of being enemy spies. Well, this sounds like a tried and true Star Trek formula. Well, hopefully that allows us to return to an episode that doesn't have us wallow in misery. But we thank you all for joining on this, on this sometimes miserable journey. And we'll see you next week.